0: Welcome to Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. I'm joined by James Blair and Matthew Harris. And this week, the Beginner's Guide to Property Investment.
1: For those that are watching this on podcast, I love the double thumbs up to start with now. <laughs> uh, I'm just
2: excited to be here again. Yeah. Yeah. Stream come true. Yeah, I mean, Queen <laughs> Sound
1: for the weekend, straight into a podcast. How good's life? <laughs> um, so, today's topic is around. I guess for those who go, geez, there's a lot of buzz around investment property. Housing prices have gone up so much. All my mates are doing it. Is this something I should look at doing or not? Mm. So we thought we'd give a bit of a 101 on investment property. And Matt, I mean, you're heavily involved in as much accounting as property. So we thought the king of property we divided. <laughs> before we start and kind of get into a bit of the why and mechanics. Do you yep. want to give us a little bit of a, I guess, background on your journey with property investment?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like the fact that you talk about me being as much an accountant as, as a property investor. <laughs> the king of property, I believe, yeah. yeah. Look, it, it is really fair. So I've been a property investor for uh, well over 12 years. I don't want to say the word 13 on camera. <laughs> but uh, uh, And I've been an accountant for about 15 years. So. They go pretty hand-in-hand hand, mm. my journey and I have uh, built a, a reasonably large property portfolio. I've helped a lot of clients build reasonably large property portfolios and uh, I just, I really love it as an investment discipline mm. Mm. and the reason I like it is because it's relatively easy. It's easy for people to understand. Yeah. It's passive. The people who have the money that you want uh, to get, they understand it for the banks mm-hmm. uh, and I think you know, if I'm going to look at some of the reasons why it might be better for some people than investing in shares, for example, uh, it, for me it's a leverage piece. Mm. Yeah. Not everyone can afford to put $500,000 in a port, uh, investment portfolio and yeah. wait, wait for a return. Mm.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, without going too much down the rabbit hole here, Matt, maybe can you tell us where you started with your first investment property? Maybe how, how you felt at that time, By yeah. like yep. going into the unknown? <laughs> And then a little bit around how it's maybe got a little bit more sophisticated over time?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I started in what I call the old Kiwi dream, which you know we might touch on later how that's changed mm. quite a lot since I started. Uh, so I bought my first property as an own occupied house, yep. and I did what many Kiwis do, and I, I went straight to work with a paintbrush and, and tidied up the gardens and planted some natives because they were the quickest growing yeah, yeah, yeah. for a yard that had nothing. And... Uh, and by the time I'd finished that process, it took me about four months, and uh, what I'd realised in that time is that I had added value. And I knew some other people who had bought some investment properties, and, and they had told me that I could actually use that house to go and buy another house, and I'd keep the house. So yeah. Of course, my interest was peaked mm-hmm. automatically. Uh, so that's where it began. And from there, I, I, I used leverage. I bought another house, added some value, and I went on pretty much in that vein for about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and about four years ago is when when I considered I got really serious on property investing. Yep. So I looked looked at the portfolio that I had, I looked at the clients that I've been working with, and the opportunities that are around, and at that time I set on earthquake-damaged houses. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I did that is that uh, it was really easy to identify the value arbitrage, which we might yeah, touch yeah, yeah. on later when you talk about loan-to-value ratios yep. and refinancing. And there was this earthquake event where there's a series of earthquakes actually in Christchurch. Mm. And it was really easy to identify properties that were undervalued. Yeah. Mm. So, from there, I uh, I started using a tried and tested formula that many investors have used, which is the buy, add value, revalue, recycle. Mm. Yeah. There's lots of different names for it, but, but effectively it's debt arbitrage. Mm. Yeah. And from there, I've kind of fast-forward a few more years and now I'm developing townhouses, so yeah. I'm just like everyone else in Auckland. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. One of the things I like about your journey is, I mean, when you do say 12 years, it's quite a bit of time. Yeah, But If, it you, is. if you think about, I guess, your property portfolio now, which is, you know, pretty sizable, yep. and going what you can do over, call it a decade, yep. you can actually do quite a lot with yeah. a clear strategy, adjusting to the environment and a little bit of elbow grease along the way.
2: Yeah, definitely, and I think, the time bit's important. Mm. I always describe property as a get rich for certain thing rather than a, a um, get rich quick. Yeah, yeah. And so for me those first 5 or 6 years were really important because that allowed equity to gain in the portfolios. Yeah, yeah. And you can't go straight into developing townhouses for for example without equity. Mm, mm, mm. Uh and you and you, you won't always recycle equity as quickly as you think you can. Yeah. So the yeah. time piece is important. Mm. And I think that's um what we'll sort of touch on a little bit of how to do
0: it is yep. about that equity piece because fundamentally they're looking for equity income and then you know, a couple of other minor things. So those are the main things you need to um, to have uh, to be able to start purchasing those investment properties. Yeah.
1: So. Before we go any further, yeah, I mean it brings a smile on my face when you talk about doing renovations and <laughs> what to do. yep. um, makes me recall a time uh, in my first investment property when um, I need to replace a deck. and and, uh, a a young Michael Vincent I believe a couple of days before he moved to the UK it was 24 hours before I moved to the UK I was like you know the classic Kiwi hey mate fancy helping me build a deck and he's like rightio Um, anyway so Mike and I built a deck which at best could be described as average Yeah. Um, the funny thing was (laughs) Um, my dad had a bit of free time at the time, and he goes, and goes, um, "Hey, I'll help you like nail in the deck." So he bought some knee pads. He um, we went around and kind of like nailing them all in, um, and then deck was looking like yeah, as good as it was going to look. Yeah. And then go outside a couple of weeks later, all the nails are rusted through. <laughs> and and um, anyway, we didn't buy galvanized nails. Um, <laughs> we bought indoor. We bought indoor nails to put on the deck. We pulled it all <laughs> up. My dad came back with his knee pads and <laughs> knocked them all back in. Uh, the funniest part of the story is I didn't have the heart to tell Mike the phone. Yeah, I, I, didn't <laughs>
0: actually, I didn't actually find this out probably about eight months ago, <laughs> ten months ago now. I was, I, I mean, I was astounded, but sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. You were, uh, you, you were pretty uh, forgiving there when you said, we didn't buy galvanized yeah. house. To be honest, James, I didn't buy galvanised nails. Yeah, 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 and
1: and you and you've been sticking to the story for a long time, going um, uh, <laughs> I bought the right coloured box. It was the wrong nails in the box. No, it was a red so, box. Yep, galvanised uh,
0: nails. Enough times passed. Yeah, Christian yeah, we'll or, never find yeah. out. No one yeah,
1: will yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So anyway, <laughs> choose you choose the right people when you're gonna do you get the right um, property. Yeah. Um, But let's let's jump let's jump into it. So I think a really important starting point is going. Firstly, Matt, to your point around um, this is a long-term gain, mm. it's not a short-term gain. And when you have people buying um, property and you go, wow, I've made $100,000, $200,000 mm. in 12 mm. months, yep. you've got to make sure as a starting point that you're jumping into it for the right reasons yep, with correct. the right
2: expectations. Yep, that's correct. So long-term property investment is effectively wealth creation over time. It's mm. a really simple concept. And, and I, you know, we have plenty of clients in the last 24 months that have made $100,000, 200000 That isn't normal. Yeah.
1: Can't be the expectation. Can't be the
2: expectation. And I think those clients, you know, if the market does go backwards for a while, which is conceivable, Mm. uh, what you've got to understand about property investment and why I like it so much is that if all else stays equal, you've got a tenant, you have a house. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the market's going up, down or sideways, Mm. uh, usually you're relatively safe. And the bit where I concentrate on with investors who have multiple properties and things are going... Quite well. As I go. Have you actually addressed the risk piece, mm. yeah. which is the individual part? Because that's when it comes unstuck. Mm-hmm. They lose a job. Someone yeah. dies. And all of a sudden, it all comes unwell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can tenant a house as long as the house is fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So similar to the share market, right? The share market can have a return of, and I don't. I think properties are a lot more stable than like the share market volatility, but you have to be going, I don't want a return over 12 months. I want an expectation over 10, 15, 20 yeah. years. Yeah, correct. Um, so first starting point, Matt, maybe for somebody, I mean this is a, a beginner's guide to investment property.
2: Yeah.
1: If I have never had property before, why, why am I going to buy an investment property?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it come, it's going to come back down to the, the uh, leverage part. Yeah.
1: So what, 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 what does leverage yeah, mean? Yeah,
2: so leverage uh, means that the bank is going to give you the majority of the money to buy the property. So. If I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna use a million dollar property that's probably the average now yeah. in Auckland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm gonna occupy that property, I might be able to get up to ninety percent lending on that. So yeah. the bank's gonna give me nine hundred thousand. I have to put a hundred thousand dollars in, mm. but I'm gonna keep a hundred percent of the gains. Yeah. So leverage re- increases your rate of return exponentially. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and potentially, if
1: you're, um, say, you've owned a home for quite a while, especially over the last few years, with prices moving the way they've moved. You might have, um, say, a million dollar home with a $500,000 loan, right? Which means you don't necessarily have to put cash forward Correct. in that scenario. How, yep. how would how would that scenario work?
2: Yeah, so what the bank, it's probably actually better for Mike to answer, but I do know, uh, they what the bank does is they look at both properties' value, and they, they might say, your investment has to have 40%, your own Occupy can have 90%, yep. and, and they will just do the calculation over both, give you the money. Yeah, so so long
0: as the uh, the loan to value ratio across all of the portfolio doesn't exceed their limits, then you can usually you know hundred percent debt finance your next property purchase. Some of our customers are in a situation where they they see an opportunity, they see the house they want. It's an investment property. They don't quite have the equity there for a traditional lender, um, but the deal is just too good to pass up, right? Mm. And that's when we do start to look at some of the near prime lenders who maybe have different loan to value ratio. Um, Policies uh, and can actually help you get a little bit more equity out of the property if you can't, you know, if you don't want to pass this opportunity up and wait another 24 months to get that uh, the equity that you need.
2: Yeah, and I think that's actually an important point. You said deal, you said opportunity. When I look at property investors now, I think if you treat it more like a business mindset Mm. and you go, some people go automatically, oh, ResiMac, for example, is yeah. about half a percent or a percent mm. higher than the bank rates. Yep. They go, oh, no, no, it's not the bank rate. Mm. Actually, what they should be looking at is the opportunity, yeah. mm. the opportunity cost of not doing mm. it, the opportunity of owning that property, uh, the end game. So someone like Mike would enter into that, probably with a 12-month plan mm. to take them to main bank anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that mindset's really important as the prices of properties increase, the complexity increases, mm. uh, and the risk increases. Mm. Yeah. And being able
0: to jump on those opportunities earlier comes back again to that time and market thing. Yeah, we well, are not trying to time it, you know, I'll oh, wait six months because the interest rates might go down a little bit. No, <laughs> it is that time and market thing with us and the longer you're in there, generally the better. So that is one of the strategies to sort of uh, release a little bit more equity out of your home. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, the main banks are, are, are pretty good.
1: Can I yeah. ask you, Mike, just mm-hmm. on, for those that have, have a home loan with a main bank yeah. and they go, you know, these kind of other lenders... You know, historically maybe have some bad connotations as finance mm. companies, second-tier lenders, yep. um, higher interest rates. What, what are they like to deal with? What do the interest rates look like? Mm. Is it safe to go with? What, yeah, yeah, start? yeah.
0: Well, um, when I talk about near-prime lenders, I'm not talking about um, some of your more specialized lenders like your uh, your asset finance guys and maybe some other property development stuff. I'm, I'm talking mainly about sort of ResiMac, Bluestone Select, those sorts of lenders. So um, they're sort of one or 0.5 of a tier underneath the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is the interest cost? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll probably end up paying 0.5 to 1% over, um, but they will price that based on the risk of you um, and your application and your deal. Um, so you can expect a little bit of variance there. What do they like to deal with? Uh, You know, in my experience, very responsive, Um, uh, really good to sort of have a conversation about the deal with. What you'll find a lot of the times at banks is um, they can be quite difficult to get things outside of policy Mm. or outside of, um, you know, the first, once you get your first no, very hard to get around that first no at a bank. What some of these more, uh, what the near prime lenders are good at is tabling that discussion. Being Mm. like, hey guys, here's what I want to do. Here's why I want to do it. Here's what the upside is. And they're better at looking at
2: those sorts of deals. Yeah, and mm. can I just jump in here? Yeah. Uh, one of the prime reasons we, reasons we might take a property investor to a second tier uh, or non-prime lender is because when a bank lends, there's the two pillars that they basically lend yeah. on, equity and servicing. Mm. At one of those second tiers, we can drop one of those away for a little bit. Yeah. Not forever, but probably for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then we can put the plan in place. So it mm. helps people who want to be a little more aggressive with the investing who maybe don't have quite enough equity. Yeah. Uh, or quite enough servicing right now, but over time they might mm. to, to get a bit faster through the process yeah, yeah. yeah. and you 're yeah.
1: not going to leave them there forever Mike like you've, as matt said you've got this there 's a plan to try and get them back over a period of time to a main bank.
0: Yeah, and that all depends on them, what mm. they want to do, how aggressive they are, how much their income is and but all of that you just you, you have that robust discussion with your broker, with the lender about these sorts of things. you put a plan in place and we 'll tell you what the cost is going to be. So we'll tell you what the all-in cost is, and, you, and, and like Matt said, you look at it like a business deal. That extra half a percent or the fee that you're paying, or something—that that's just the cost of doing business. It would be just like if you went and opened up a business or something and you had to pay rates, this, that, the other. It's exactly yep. the same. You just internalize it into the calculations, and then you look at your ROI based on the back end of that.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I think like one of the main benefits when I'm talking to my clients around investment property is you've got your, um, your, your income coming through. And then you've got your investments and you're paying down debt. But an investment property, um, sometimes, certainly with interest rates the way they are at the moment, they can sit, as, as Matt pointed out, a, its own little business. Mm. So it sits with the side, the rent goes into the account, the expenses go out. And as interest rates go up, you might have to top that up. But it considers its own kind of servicing mm. universe. Yep.
2: Yeah, yep. and what you guys know, this is the best mm. bit about it, business in reality is active as hell. Yeah. And we're all in here at 6.30 or whatever the yeah, time yeah, is at yeah. night mm. filming a podcast, yeah. property investment's passive. Mm. You can go to your day job, you can go overseas, you yeah. can be asleep yeah, as you yeah, sleep yeah, during the middle of the day or yep. yeah. at
0: night. Yeah, Oh, exactly. And so we sort of touched on a couple of pieces there, so the, the equity piece and the why. Um, the other sort of bit that a... Um, or the other thing that an uh, investment property is going to give you is income, mm. right? So that you are going to get a rental income coming in. Um, when you're applying for the mortgage or the finance or the funding, you know, the banks will take that into account, the lenders will take that into account. So it's really important to look at um, the rental income that the property is going to generate, um, and then that's going to add to your ability to borrow money.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. So let's say somebody's watching that, and you're like, you've convinced me. I've got the equity in my home, I've got the income, Um, I understand this is a long-term burn. Mm. I'm going to go buy an investment property. Where do I start? What do
2: I look at? What are my options? Good question. Mm. It always starts with the money. Get an approval. Get an indication of what you can borrow. Call Mike or one of the mortgage team up. Just talk about the money side because it's it's a bit pointless without it. Mm. Mm. The sign is... More relevant today than ever? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not surprising. This
1: will probably be our longest episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so really good point. Before you go too far down the rabbit hole to go and talk to the mortgage broker, go and talk to the bank and go, are you in a position to do this before you go run off Mm. paying a deposit for something that you can't afford? (laughs) Um, Once you've got that pre-approval, let's say I have a pre-approval for... $900,000, $900,000, yep. um, so then I've got a cap in terms of what I can buy, and that limits my options in the market, mm-hmm. um, what should I be looking at when I'm thinking about buying a yep.
2: property? So this is where it gets a little more complicated, yeah. it's going to depend on the person, mm. but we have two types of common investors, we have a high capital growth investor, or we've got a high yield investor. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one is quite obviously looking for capital growth, they don't care so much about the cash flow, so those people better have some income, Yeah. yeah. a job, or two jobs mm. be quite handy. Yep. If you are a yield hunter, the income's not as uh, required, mm. and, but you're going to be getting a lower value property generally, yeah. and so your capital growth rate, whilst it might be the same, but probably not because the bigger yeah, yeah, cities yeah. tend to have a higher capital growth rate, mm. yeah. you are not going to end up with as much capital gain at the end. So I personally am a, 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 a capital growth mm. investor. Mm. But as my portfolio has got larger and larger, I've had to start moving actually more towards being a cash flow investor because yep. you ev- effectively will run out of uh, eventually servicing yeah. and or equity, probably it's in my case servicing, so yep. I now have to bring some some uh, higher yield properties in. Yeah, and that'll sort of, um, those two strategies will really dictate
0: a lot of the time what type of house you're looking at as well. So a lot yep. of the times the apartments, will um, you're going to get less capital growth out of them, but you potentially going to get more um, more
2: cash flow coming through yeah so to round it out to answer the question if you're a high earner really busy you're probably going to go high capital growth rate and just yeah. top it up if you're a lower earner uh, you might be going to buy something that's uh, uh, got a higher yield yeah. attached to it what I
1: mean going off of too much of a tangent mm. the idea about like a, a yielding property I think about um, Say Christchurch, what's happened with house prices there? Wanganui, <laughs> mm. Plymouth, Invercargill. I can go on and on. Yep. <laughs> is there still such thing as a unique yeah. property? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: there is. Believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the there is but it is getting harder. Yeah. Uh, what a good investor will now do is they'll go to try and get a, a, a dual key or they'll yeah. get a mm. multi-unit or they'll add a room. Mm. Uh, so then we, what we do then is we go, okay, well, let's drop back and go, what's the actual rate of return on a property? Mm. So the actual rate of return on a property is the capital growth rate and the yield together. And then the other little trick, which people don't realise, which I think is important at the moment because of this high inflation environment mm. that we're in, mm. when you buy a property today, you lock in today's price, but you also lock in today's loan, yeah. but you pay the loan in the future mm. with uh, with inflation-affected dollars. So mm-hmm. if what you're doing is you actually mitigate inflation on your loan because the value of your yeah. dollar is theoretically decreasing, so you're paying it back at a lesser rate. Mm. Yeah, and when inflation's high,
0: more debt is better than more savings, which, yep. in the case of a property investor, is absolutely on the on it. Yep.
2: Yeah. Mm. yeah, exactly.
1: And then, so, Michael, if we're talking about, um, say, maybe existing properties, it's new build properties. Mm. What are some pros and cons
0: of each? Yeah, so I won't touch on the interest deductibility yet. I'll let Matt do that. Uh, it's outside of my lane a little bit. Um, but the pros and cons for each. So look, the the pro for the existing in situ property is you get it today. Mm. It's pretty much the only pro at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, watch, watch me go on about new builds. Um, but, but you know, in terms of you know, there, there are some others. You know, but it, it, at the end of the day, that, that really is the main pro is that you're going to. Go out, you're going to buy the property today, you're going to get it today. Um, the cons for that, you're probably going to buy it at auction, um, interest deductibility is potentially going to be an issue, uh, you might have to bring that up to healthy home standards. So they're, they're a bit more work uh, in terms of uh, as a pure investment play. Yeah. Um, you the, the the property sort of lends itself to potentially being able to be renovated more.
2: Um,
0: value. You're going to be able to add value like Matt does, um, whereas... Uh, With a new build, you're not going to get that. So, you know, there is potential there as well. Um, I, from what I'm seeing at the moment, though, a lot of the ones you can really add value to, you're already scrapping with investors. So Mm -hmm. for a beginner, um, I'd maybe be uh, steering away from those a little bit. Um, The new build property. So this is when you're purchasing off plans um, from a developer and we'll probably have a little bit more clarity towards the end of year around what a new build is. But generally speaking, you're purchasing the first time you're the first person that owns the home apart from a developer as soon as it's been built. The con here is you're probably going to have to wait 12 months to two years, maybe, to actually get this property. So you go through the approval process, you sign the sale and purchase agreement, you put 10% deposit down or 5%, and then you wait. So it sounds like a long time to wait, but the pros you know, interest deductibility is a big one. Uh, Matt will touch on that in a second. Um, that really is going to affect. Uh, the way that that investment performs you or has the, has the uh, potential to affect that, whether it's cash flow positive or cash flow negative. Um, most likely the home is going to be up to healthy home standard, so yep. you, you aren't going to need to do any renovations, replace the roof, put insulation in, put a heat pump in. Um, it's going to be, generally speaking, more low maintenance. If you're going for that townhouse, there's less land, You know, some of them have AstroTurf now instead of grass, so you don't yep. even need to get someone <laughs> to do the gardens. Um, And then, you know, I guess the the final thing to sort of touch on then, I guess, is the flip side of being able to renovate it. You're probably not going to be able to renovate these. So for a beginner, um, yeah, our advice at the moment is generally to go down the new build path as opposed to the in situ.
1: That was a lot more pros for... New and I missed some out. out. Yeah. You're purchasing no. off.
0: You're purchasing on a fixed price, you're not at an auction. Yeah. There's all yep. these other oh. things as well. Oh. Oh, Alright, Chief. Stay in your lane.
1: I think maybe if I'm going to be fair to existing properties, one of the other, I mean we spoke about renovations, but when something isn't as attractive to the market as a whole, it does um, provide opportunities as well. So if you're very active in that space, Oh, Michael, please disagree with me. This I know, I
0: know. I know. I just, the, the reason I sort of disagree there is when you're saying these aren't attractive to the whole market, think about how saturated the market is with buyers. Think how many people can't get a first home. Like, yes, yes there might be less investors going after that, but the market is still going to decide what the value of that house is. I don't think you're going to end up paying less because you're going to get um, uh, uh, owner occupiers or first home buyers just shifting towards those. And they still have relatively the same amount of budget. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, and we we've got a fundamental supply issue. Yeah. And there's not only do we have a supply issue, there's less houses than ever for sale at the mm, moment. Yeah. So I, I tend to agree. There's more pros for new builds now than uh, than there is for in situ. That's only a recent thing. Obviously, with interest deductibility, it's changed the playing mm. field quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, you, all your points are, are valid. Basically, mm, mm. That if you're a, a um, new build investor, you're low maintenance, easy to rent lock in today's price, you don't have to compete for it. Yeah, typically been easy to buy, mm. but let's watch that change <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah, interest yeah, deductibility yeah. Yeah. being removed. Yeah. So uh, probably most viewers will be aware that the government's announced that interest deductibility has mm. been removed from in situ properties going forward. Mm. Yeah, uh, It's getting phased out for current properties. We're only in year one of the phase out. Mm. My prediction, by the time we get to year two or three, uh, we will see an uptick in the demand for new builds, which already is quite high, Oh yeah, uh, as people bail out of in situ. Mm. Uh, but also, what we'll probably see is rents rise, mm. and yeah. the people within situ who hold on to them won't actually be too affected. Mm. Capital growth rate might slow down a bit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, developable sections, if you have one, they will they will go to the moon, which yeah. is what I like to say a lot. Yep. <laughs> um, Not yeah. like you have any skin in the game. No, you? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. Unbiased. Yeah. Yeah. Unbiased, yeah. Okay.
1: So, what about the, um, the tax implications? Yeah,
2: I think really important. Yeah. Uh, when you have an in-situ property mm. uh, and you remove the tax deduction by large, that's your largest deduction. So yeah. what you have now is, a, is a, a, cash flow, oh, sorry, a, a net profit for tax purposes up here, cash flow's down here. Mm. Mm. Mum and dad investors, the largest group of investors in New Zealand, mm. will have to be digging into their pockets. Yeah. A lot of them won't be able to. Mm. So two outcomes, mm. either they have to sell, they can have adverse tax consequences, Brightline for example. Yep. Mm. Or they have to put rents up. Yeah. And what I think will happen is the rents will start to be put up by the people who are savvy, mm. then the people who have to will follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the market will follow mm. because that's how markets work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I know producer Tom's looking at us being like, what are you guys up to? We're <laughs> over 25 minutes. Goes, yeah. there's only so much room on the sim card. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so before we wrap up though, it would be irresponsible not to talk about risks and downsides when yeah. you're buying yeah. investment property. So um, let me start, and then if you can think of some good ones on top, um, jump in. The first one is around, we've got record low interest rates, and interest rates are starting to look like they're moving up, like we've recently got, as Mike pointed out a few episodes ago, he is interest rates. I am interest rates. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can speak
0: more economics uh, if you want. Please don't.
2: Stay in your (laughs) lane. So so
1: if if interest rates increase, um, uh, it's highly likely that your property will go from, making you money to you having to top up um, mm. your property um, on a fortnightly or weekly basis yep. or whatever it might be. Now, if you're not in a financial position to be able to do that, um, you really need to think about, is this a good idea for me now or is this something I should do I should do later? So the big thing is going, interest rates aren't going to be as low as they are now. Are you going to be okay in the future?
2: Mm. Whatever cons do we have to investment property? I think we already touched on one earlier: the fact that uh, the the risk is actually in the person, mm. not in the property or in the investment. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people do not insure themselves for risk. Mm. Yeah, uh, you see it every day. I see it. Yeah. Uh, we sit with people, and, and they don't even have a will. Yeah, you know, let alone yeah, yeah, a, a level of insurance. So yeah. I think that's another
0: risk. Mm. I think um, one of the overarching ones is always just going to be that diversification piece, no, and that. It comes more from what do you want out of these investments as opposed to do I think it's going to drop 80% in one year and that's, you know, like we've talked about before, when you get to retirement, is just having a property portfolio the right thing or actually should I look to diversify a little bit?
1: Yeah, Mm. and there's a really good point around what are your goals Mm. for this investment. So if you're going, I want income from this investment in the near future probably not the kind of person we're talking about. Mm. I think if you've got a lump sum of cash and you're looking to draw an income earlier, you can only take the rent. You can't uh, you know, sell a bedroom to go on holidays, yep. the old analogy. Mm. So <laughs> making sure the property is the a property is the right investment to achieve your goals. Let's wrap it up there. Plenty of stuff that we worked through today. Matt, uh, we're going to have to have a chat about this after you're running over time. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. But I think there's probably enough room and enough material for us still to run through. I mean, Mike, we didn't we got through like half of our notes today. Didn't yeah,
0: we? we we could definitely do a part B for this one.
1: Yeah, or even a part two. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for watching. If you made it to the end of the episode, well done on you. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up, you might go. Well, there was quite a few jar a bit of jargon in there. What does yield mean? What does equity mean? LVR. LVR. If you're not sure what it means, check out our new series on YouTube called Money Bites two-minute episodes where Mike and I break down a money jargon concept and talk about what it means, why you should be interested in what it means. Matt, we might even get you in a couple of those.
2: (laughs) I'm going to be a star. (laughs) Um,
1: So thank you very much for joining us this week. Make sure to subscribe, give us a like, and also give us a review. And we'll see you next week.
0: Cheers. Thank you.